is as breath in your body, there is hope. Welcome to Think Hope Podcast. I'm your hopeologist, Dr. Rosalind Y. Lewis Tompkins, and I'm here to help facilitate your journey of hope. And once again, we are so excited about this particular Think Hope Podcast that we are bringing before you even on today because we want to let you know that hope is for the whole year. Yes, we celebrate April as a national month of hope with so many grand things that we have planned and the Hopi Awards. And now we have our essay contest that will be the winners will be announced in April and just getting the word out that we have a national month of hope. But I'm here to tell you that hope is not just for April. Hope is for every day of the year, 300 and 65 days a year, 24-7. So we're excited to be able to bring this particular Think Hope podcast to help you to think hope, to become more hopeful, and to understand the power of this hope that we're talking about. And one of the ways that we do that is by having the hope train, yes, the hope train is continuing down the track and i am going forth to different interviews uh with with people all across the nation and we're spreading this hope all around the globe and we're so excited about that so everyone get on board this hope train because we are moving forward on today's episode I'm going to start off by sharing a podcast of an interview that I was interviewed on the Valder BB God Talk show that it's uh, it hails from Dallas, Texas. And uh, I'm becoming a frequent guest on the Valder BB show because we have another one planned in September. I'll keep you guys abreast and they'll also be given away copies of my book as long as there's breath in your body there's still hope but on this latest podcast I was able to have a powerful conversation as Valder Beebe was was asking me uh, about hope and 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 just really trying to get an understanding of how we can wrap our hands our head our hearts around this whole concept of hope and I would say this powerful force of hope. So we're going to start off by by playing that particular uh, podcast and then I'm excited we're going to share an interview that I had with my dear friend Apostle Pamela Morgan out of Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, and so it was a wonderful, wonderful interview. She is formerly the president of our Detroit chapter of Mothers in Crisis that we had for several years in the, uh, in the 90s. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to reminisce a little bit. And then we're going to talk about what we're doing now. And just spoiler alert, we have an exciting, exciting surprise for her that, that you'll hear in real time as, as I shared it with her. Stay tuned. It's going to be a powerful show today. We'll begin now with this interview 
from the Valda BB God Talk Show, where she interviewed me about the power of hope. Thank you for being here for my interview on the Valder BB Show. I'd like to thank KKVIDFW for assisting us in bringing you the Valder BB Show. Visit KKVIDFW.com, your radio station. Good day and welcome back to the Valder BB Show. I'm moving on to my next guest. I have Dr. Rosalind Lewis Tompkins. She is the author, As Long As There Is Breath In Your Body, There Is Hope. But she's here today to also talk about the Hope Challenge. Dr. Tompkins, welcome to the Valder BB Show. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here with you today. Thanks for taking the time to talk to my audience across America. Tell me what the Hope Challenge is. It's the National Month of Hope. And had this, this designation now, this is the fourth year of celebrating hope as a nation. And we challenge everyone, it's all year long, to, first of all, become more hopeful, to think hope, and then to spread hope to others by having hope, making hope connections. How important is hope in getting well or moving forward? How important is it? It is extremely important. As a matter of fact, studies show that hopeful people actually have a better quality of life and they live longer. So it is very essential. When we're talking about some practical ways to infuse hope in any situation, will the Hope Challenge help us to understand that? I understand that's not what it is, but will it help us to understand? Because we use words like hope very easily, especially if you're a believer. Absolutely. And a lot of times we don't define it for people because everyone's not a believer. So tell me about that. Yes, well, first of all, the thing that is so exciting about um, this whole hope campaign is that it's non-sectarian. So it's not based upon politics, and it's not really based upon belief. As a matter of fact, according to the often quoted survival laws of three, you can only live three seconds without hope. So hope, everyone that is breathing needs hope in order to continue to breathe. And, and so that's the exciting thing about it. But as a believer, what we understand is that whenever our hope is a found, it has a foundation in our faith, then now it becomes that anchor. And the practical things that we talk about with this whole hope campaign is that you can take hope breaks. We understand that it just doesn't come naturally, especially with so much going on in the world, Valder. I mean, everywhere you look, there are hopeless situations. As a matter of fact, the suicide rate has, has been increasing for the first time in decades. And that's, that's the state saying, you know, we have a nation of hopeless people that want to just give up. So in order to become more hopeful, it has to be intentional. And we have tools that we offer through this whole hope challenge so that people can become more hopeful. So tell me about the hope connection. What is that? Well, whenever we make a hope connection, after you become more hopeful, then we encourage people to spread that hope because you can't give what you don't have. So once you, are more, you become more hopeful, then you can begin to have what we call hope chats with other people. And that's when you check in on them just to see how you're doing, letting people know that they're not alone, that you care. I mean, it's amazing how we see that after someone 
takes their own lives, especially young people. And then you look in their journals that they have been writing about the loneliness and, and, and how they've been suffering and, and everything. And people write in their homes and people, their friends and in the schools and different places don't even know that they're going through that because oftentimes no one takes the time to stop and just say, hey, I just called to check up on you. How are you doing? And just really listen, not just with your head, but with your heart. Thank you for enjoying my interview. The Bounder Beauty Show is made possible in part by the Food IQ Girls. Their goal is to elevate your food IQ. Visit facebook.com slash the food IQ Girls for more inspiration. What does it mean to be a hopeologist, if you could explain that to me? Well, a hopeologist, that's my uh, trademark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Department. And it is actually, it's under the Class 35, and it is promoting hope through public advocacy. And so that is what we're doing. Bottom line, it's by promoting this message. And when we say hope, it just simply means the expectation that things will get better that things can change, that this is not it. And once you begin to train your brain by thinking hope, then you can see it's like the light comes on in the midst of the tunnel and you see solutions, you see alternatives, you you, you determine that, you know what, I'm not going to make a permanent decision to this temporary situation because there is hope. Hope is for the future. Tomorrow is coming. Can you speak to this of Hebrews 11 and 1? Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Oh, yes, I love that scripture because, uh, you know, and according to, as it's quoted in the King James Version, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What I always say is that faith is for right now, but hope is for the future. But you can't even have faith without hope because because hope is the substance that faith is made of. And that's why our foundational scripture for the whole hope campaign is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three shall remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So all of these powerful forces that we have with hope is in the middle because sometimes our love grows cold. Sometimes our faith gets flat. But hope is like that helium in, in the balloon that will cause us to rise. It causes us to move forward, causes us to try again. Thank you for being here as I wrap up my interview with another great guest. We thank Key Band Productions for being a sponsor of the Bounder BB Show. You took and summed this up and say that, but you can be in charge of your destiny. I would say be in charge of your destiny with God. Because if Uh you remain faithful, if you remain hopeful, you will be able to use the power of love to change the circumstances of whatever is facing you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Because those three powerful forces, I'm telling you, there's nothing greater on earth. Not hatred, not hopelessness, not anything. Those are the forces that we can tap into, especially as believers, and change the world. Once again, 
Today, my guest is Dr. Rosalind Tompkins. So, Dr. Tompkins, as I wrap up, or someone on Instagram wants to know, are you a hobologist? Yes, I am. I am. That's my trademark with the U.S. Uh, Patent Department. It's actually a trademark for the whole hope campaign of the things that we're doing to promote hope through public advocacy. So, yes, I am a self-proclaimed hopeologist. Someone from Twitter wants to know how can they get in on the Hope Challenge. Oh, that is so exciting to hear that. Go to makeahopeconnection.com, and it has all of this information on there and how you can become a part of everything. And also, pick up my book, As Long As There's Breath in Your Body, There's Still Hope, because I really tell how I became uh, such a hopeful person after going through a 12-year addiction to drugs and alcohol that I call going through the hellhole of addiction and coming out on the other side. And I know it was the power of hope that brought me out. And then as I started Mothers in Crisis, uh, we're now celebrating 30 years, and we've helped thousands of families along the way. Well, that sounds so good because I'm addicted to sugar and I'm fighting my sugar addiction. <laughs> I know, and it's just just as real as any other it addiction. Is. It really is. I believe is. me. So yeah. send me a copy of your book, and I'd love to have you back on so we can talk about addictions because I think I can identify, and I bet you my, my audience can. Absolutely. We'll certainly do that. But in, in the meantime, remember to celebrate hope. April is the National Month of Hope. We will do that. And tell me, where can we find out more about you, Dr. Tompkins, again? You can go to makeahopeconnection.com. And it has all the information on there. Well, you have made my audience so hopeful. Please, please come back. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Valder BB Show. Love to come back. Thank, Thank you, you so Dr. Tompkins. All righty. Bye-bye. The Valder BB Show is produced by PIP Productions out of Dallas, Texas. Hosted by Valder BB. Executive and technical produced by James BB. Visit us at ValderBBShow.com and youtube.com slash show. Now we're going to take a break and hear from our favorite, one of our favorite songs that we have adopted for this whole Hope campaign. And it's, it's, it's entitled Change the World. And it is by Eric Cole. And there's also an appearance by Psalmist Rain. And it's so positive and so powerful until we've just kind of adopted it for our whole hope campaign, <laughs> change the world. And I believe we can change the world through hope. And immediately following that, we'll have the interview that I did with Apostle Pam Morgan.
very excited today to have as our very special guest on this particular Think Hope podcast, a dear, a dear sister, a dear friend, a fellow apostle and minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, none other than Pamela Jean Morgan, or as we, uh, as she likes for everyone to call her, Pam. And so we want to just go ahead and welcome you formally uh, to the Think Hope podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I just, I'm so excited about what God is doing with the Hope Podcast and the, the um, just the whole of what God is doing with your life and um, with the campaign, with everything that's going on. Hope is, if we don't have hope, what do we have? That's right. That's right. And and that's the thing that, that I am so excited about as well. I believe it was in 1993 until about 1996, 97, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. You can help me with the date. Uh, but I believe it, it was around that time. Yes, it was. Um, I cannot, I know it was in the mid-90s. And um, through another dear friend, Diane Whitney, God brought us, connected us so divinely. No one else could have. You were in Florida. I was in Detroit. And in fact, my first plane uh, plane ride as an adult was, uh, because I had been on a plane one other time in my life as a teenager, and this my ride to Florida was my first time on a plane, and I want to tell you, I was shaking in my shoes. <laughs> wow, that is, that's amazing. And what we're talking about is mothers in crisis. Uh, mothers in crisis, we are the parent organization of the whole whole campaign. Uh, we just celebrated 30 years in this year. And when we first got started back in 1991 uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, where we, where we still are, are located, our headquarters, uh, we also began to branch out and have chapters in, in other places. And one of the main chapters that we were able to have uh, back in 1993, I believe, around that time, was our Detroit, Michigan Mothers in Crisis chapter, and you, Pam, formerly Pam McCrary, now uh, Apostle Pam Morgan, were, you was the one that actually spearheaded that and was the director of that, of that chapter in Detroit. Yes. Oh, that was, those were some exciting times. <laughs> you know, and I think, um, Apostle Rosalind, I think that the most exciting part of it was that we were following God. We had no idea of what was in store, what was next. It was just so exciting to know that God had our future in his hands and that he could use us. I'm looking at a, at, a, at a newspaper article. I sent you a, a copy of it yesterday. 
and uh, it's actually from the Michigan Citizen, and it was March the 10th, 1996. And it says, the title, the headline is Women's Support Group for Former Addicts Hold Seminars. And we actually came, I and a team of about six or seven other, I think we were total seven of us, came to Highland Park. Uh, and we uh, participated with you in an empowerment workshop, uh, an empowerment uh, seminar for yes. wonderful women at the YWCA in Highland Park, and it was actually uh, one of the council women that was that was there. And um, we did it. We they did a whole a whole article, and I look at this now because I kept I kept all of the articles over the years. I have a portfolio, and uh, I look at that young lady, and I say, Wow, wow, we have come we have come a long you know we have come a long way. And I remember that as though it was yesterday. We're able to to do quite quite a bit, and we talk about that um, uh, in Mothers in Crisis over the years. Just here alone, uh, over ten thousand families are impacted uh, over the years in so many ways, especially when it comes to drugs and alcohol, uh, addictions and recovery and parenting and and programs in the jails, programs for the children, programs in, programs in prison and so many different things. So why don't you share a little bit, if you can remember some of the things that you were able to accomplish for, for the two or three years that you guys had the chapter going there. So, so during that time, we did an empowerment seminar every year. And when you all actually, when you all came, you didn't come the first year. So we had, we, I, if I'm remembering correctly, we had done a couple of seminars Mm -hmm. uh, for the women before you all were able to come uh, maybe maybe one or two this may have been the second one that you came to and um, after that we did a few more where um, annually we would bring the women from the treatment centers and the shelters and it, you know and just to think back on the, the favor that we were given. Um, Ford Motor Company gave us the uh, the van every year. They would uh, loan us a van, a, a, a 15 passenger, and we would go and pick up the women from the treatment centers and shelters. And even then, at that time, we also had um, a lot of favor from organizations the actual treatment centers and shelters where they would pile their women in their personal cars and bring them to the seminar because the, the you know it was just it was mm -hmm. just so uh the climate was different um in in the recovery and the substance abuse arena the climate was different um and it was more of a a collective effort a collaborative mm -hmm. effort among everybody to get these women what they needed and they saw what we were doing in mothers in crisis and the wonderful women empowerment seminars they saw it as a vital part of these women's lifestyle change and healing um, they received a lot there and and much of what was talked about there 
is something that now I realize has become common or now I realize how common it is, I should say, among women in general. Among women, not just women with drug and alcohol problems, but among women in general. And then I realized, well, if and what I'm speaking of is unhealthy relationships and the need to get the personal relationship with self so that and with God um, at the center of us so that we can see clearly and make healthy choices. And in realizing that, I recognized, I was able to see, this is not a woman, uh, just a woman's crisis. This is a hum- humanity issue that we need God at the center of us to guide us so that we can develop healthy relationships with ourselves and with others. So we started doing workshops in the community. Um, on toxic relationships is it love or are you just thirsty okay yeah i see that's your that's the name of uh of your book and uh and as you're and as you're talking i'm looking at the evolution and that's the same thing that that happened uh here with mothers in crisis and the uh the the national international now headquarters and that's we began to widen the lens because during the time that we're talking about was during the crack cocaine epidemic and there was a major major crisis going on especially among uh among women mothers in particular for the first time you had mothers having babies and leaving them at the hospitals and and grandmothers having to raise the kids so it was it was a it was a hot mess we could say that we know and we yes. both were were kind of kind of emerging from that uh, clean and sober, on fire for the Lord, and began and God used us in that way to go back in and help our sisters primarily to get their lives together. But as you're saying, over the years, the the the, the lens begins to widen. And we realize that you know it's not just the woman; it's it's the family, and it's and it's certainly not just addiction. And that's why we're looking at it holistically now through the hope campaign. That we need hope for everything, and no one can live without hope. As a matter of fact, according to the survival laws of three, that's often quoted, you can only live three seconds, three seconds without hope. So, so as we begin to take on now this umbrella of hope, we're looking at everything. And now what you're talking about, which I know is something that is so very important and, and at the forefront of so many people's lives, especially women, that's relationships and, and, and having to navigate through so much to get to some real solid, relationships that can glorify God. So let's talk about that. What are you seeing when it comes to this toxicity in relationships? I want to start by saying that before it was a book and before it was workshops, it was God Uh dealing with me. You know, it was Uh God dealing with me. I was toxic. I had so much toxicity coming from a place of a 15-year-old mother. My mother was 15 when I was born. My father was 16 
And um, they were not, my mother was not ready to be a mother. So my grandmother stepped in and I thank God for my grandmother. Um, but my father was not in my life. And uh, I didn't know why. I just knew he wasn't. And that void and that emptiness, um, as I became a teenager, uh, coming from that place of emptiness, began to look for love in all the wrong places. And at 13 years old, got caught up um, in a relationship with an adult. And, uh, and so my life began to spiral out of control because I was constantly in search of somebody to validate me and tell me I was worth having. Um, and so that went on for me until it, it, it you know, uh, spiraled into an, a drug addiction. And then coming out of that addiction, the Lord quickly grabbed hold of me. And, and, and I, I returned, I gave my life back to the Lord. And I say this, I, I gave my life to the Lord for the first time, but I had said the salvation prayer six years before I used drugs because I needed, I knew I needed God. But once I said the salvation prayer, I didn't develop a relationship with him because I was in a toxic relationship that would not allow me to engage with others and be discipled. And so I kind of left to myself and that emptiness, that pain of the relationship. What, what was it that made the relationship toxic? As you, as you say, it was a toxic relationship. What was it that made it poisonous? When two people are in a relationship and it's toxic, both of them have toxicity. So I was so desperate to be accepted and to be, okay. uh, I needed, I needed to hear somebody say I was their woman. I was your mind. I needed, <laughs> I needed that. And mm -hmm. he okay. was possessive. Okay. He was possessive and jealous. Mm -hmm. But but I didn't see anything wrong with that. I saw, oh my, I'm. He wants me. He 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 needs me. I'm special. And and because I was empty and I was so needy. Now, of course, I know that the what I needed to hear was from my Lord and Savior, who from my our Father. A heavenly father who says you are mine I knew you before you were formed in your mother's 15 year old womb I called you out of eternity into time you, you know I needed that's what I needed that's what the food was screaming for but I didn't know that and so getting okay. in this relationship and you know and I thank God in hindsight for all that I went through because I am who I am today and my children who came out of the union of uh, actually two different toxic relationships but I'm so grateful for who my children are and, and how God has blessed me but the toxicity of the relationships in essence over the years and over time brought me to a place of such hopelessness 
that God was able to get my attention. And that was, he, he should not be our last resort. But for many of us, we have to hit bottom with our own self-will ways in order to see that our hope is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And, and that's what happened to me. So the toxicity in okay. the relationship was twofold. It was on his end and my end. So how can someone, if you're in a relationship, how can you discern whether it is toxic or not? Well, it, in, in, in my book, I talk about, um, when I talk about is it love or are you just thirsty? If you backtrack and look at some of your previous relationships, were, were, were they relationships that seemed just right at first, but after a while, when things start going crazy and things start going real wrong and, and you begin to back up, you were able to look and say, what was I thinking? What did I actually see in this person? Well, when we talk about thirst and dehydration we are led by mirages because when you're thirsty and your thirst is not met it leads to a state of dehydration and that's naturally speaking well so it is emotionally and spiritually that when we um are thirsty spiritually and dehydrated uh that place in us that's designed for god to live is empty and we're trying to fill it with dirt. We're trying to fill it with Kool-Aid. We're trying to fill it with wine. We're trying to fill it with people. You know, all of it turns into what would be on the desert. You think you see a pool of water, but actually it's just some dirt. It can't satisfy that need. And so we begin to see hallucinations and mirages. And so when we, when we look back at our previous relationships, we can see how we saw one thing in the person because we saw who and what we needed them to be instead of seeing who and what they really were. And so, so then wow. if we were thirsty then and we were hallucinating and seeing mirages then, are we do, still doing the same thing now? in this relationship so so just a, a little bit of a quiz um uh -huh. in relationships i ignore problems and pretend things aren't happening is that going on in your relationship um here's another one i pretend things aren't really bad trying to believe a change will come tomorrow um when, when uh, I, I, I at the thought of losing whoever becomes my source of happiness I feel terribly threatened. And when that source is not available, oftentimes I feel a gut-twisting, hand-wringing, anxious feeling in the pit of my stomach. And so I desperately seek love and approval, oftentimes from people who are incapable of loving anyone, including themselves. Now, this, this, is, a, this is a serious, serious topic here. And, and so many people, and especially... Uh, I would say women uh, are going through that and they are, as you say, thirsty and desperate and, and all of that. So we're going to take a, a, a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about these toxic relationships. But more importantly, what can be done about it? How can we identify? Yes, we've seen some of the things. We've heard some of the areas. But now... 
what can we what can be done about it and what did you do about it pam so when we come back from the break we'll talk about that all right in honor of April, National Month of Hope, join the Balls for Hope campaign, spreading hope to frontline workers and others. Help us to give stress balls of hope to those who need hope, spreading hope around the world, one ball at a time. Okay, so Vicki, we are doing a uh, uh, hope uh, campaign, Balls for Hope, mm-hmm. and this, we are giving these stress balls of hope to those who may need hope and who are going through something. So I want you to take this stress ball of hope and I want you to squeeze it and 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 look into the camera and tell why you need hope. Mm, God. Well, I am, uh, I have, uh, I've been through a lot of grieving uh, here in my life and then I have a, a few addictions that I'm trying to be delivered from. And I'm asking, uh, I definitely need hope in those areas, you know, and with my children, I definitely need some hope, you know, with my babies. And it's just, it's just being, uh, just being a mother, sister, cousin, whatever, I just need hope, Lord, just to inspire me to get better. Okay. Wow, the words can only express what, what grabbing onto this hope did for me. I mean, from the day they, they, they prayed for me, I've been looking up to the hills, which where my help come from. I was in the middle of suicide, and I grabbed hold of hope thank through them. I thank you, Jesus, for this ministry. I thank you for hope today. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Take this, hold on to this, it won't blow away. But take the ball and just share, look into the camera and share what what this, this why you need hope and how this is going to help you to have hope. Oh boy. I need hope because I'm just fearful, I'm afraid that my life is going to end and the pastor just told me some really, some really deep things that every time I look at this ball, I'm going to squeeze it. And I'm going to know that as long as there's breath in my body, there is hope. That's her motto now, not mine. But I've always known it. I've never forgot it. And I just, I appreciate this, Panther, so much. I haven't seen you in so long. I'm going to do it. I believe it's going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open the book. I'm going to do all that. All that. Amen. And I'm going to Stay uplifted and stay positive and speak good things. Spreading hope around the world, one ball at a time. For more information, visit makeahopeconnection.com or call 850-222-7705. We're back again, once again, with Apostle Pamela Jean Morgan, and we're talking today about hope on the Cinco Podcast and really dealing with toxic relationships and how we can uh, get better, how can we can get out of them, how we can do better. Um, she is the author of, say, tell me the name of your book again. Toxic Relationships, Another Addiction. Is it love or are you just thirsty? All right. Yes, I love that. Is it love or are you just thirsty? I didn't want to mess that up. So we were talking uh, before the break 
about some of the signs and, and ways that you can tell whether a relationship is toxic or not. Um, can we just kind of wrap that part up and now just talk a little bit about what can be done once we realize, you know what, I am in a toxic relationship or I am desperate, I am thirsty. What can we do? So, so now, honesty, if you can't get honest, you can't get free. And so that's key, is acknowledging, okay, I am desperately seeking love and approval uh, from people uh, in relationships. I latch on to people just because they say they want or need me, but I don't take the time to see if they're good for me. These are some things that indicate that there's a deep inner thirst, but it can only be satisfied by God. When we think about uh, thirst and dehydration naturally, you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, what they do, they put you on an IV. They give you an IV because we can go in places that a drink of water can't go. But see, if we don't go get that IV, we keep trying to take a, a cool drink of something to, and it'll satisfy our palate. It'll satisfy our tongue, but it can't go deep into those areas that are driving us in the first place. And so, so once we acknowledge that it's only the true and living water uh, from God, the truth of his word that can satisfy what needs to be satisfied. We realize that we have an internal condition that we've been trying to address with external means. And so now we've got to be filled with the spirit of God. We've got to accept the Lord as our guide, as our savior, as our protector, as the one whose, whose um, acceptance is what matters. And so the first step then would be to get honest and then to admit to the need for a savior, to a, a need for a divine intervention by God through our Lord and Savior. And so that's what I had to do. I had to go back and surrender my whole life and not just recognize Christ as my my uh, Savior, but also my Lord. And to be so, then that means I, I got to stop worshiping men. I got to stop worshiping drugs. I got to stop worshiping self on the throne for instant gratification. I've got to follow God because he has my best interest at heart. And so it was, it was painful because I had to crucify my flesh. Rosalind, I had to crucify my flesh. And it hurts. Crucifixion is painful. And when you're in that stage of telling your flesh no, in the, in the earliest part of that, the enemy will offer you, uh, um, he'll offer you a, a, a potion like he did Jesus. He, they offered him vinegar and wine, a stupefied potion to help take away some of the pain of the crucifixion. And so it is when we crucify the flesh. The enemy is going to offer you that somebody going to come back and say, I miss you so much. Or a new person is going to yeah. say, wait for my life. You know, and, and, and it's tempting because we don't want to feel this pain of telling our flesh, no, no, no. We don't live like that anymore. We have a new way of life. We have a, 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 we're following after God's way. The flesh wants to be satisfied. And so crucifixion, I talk about that in the book, that temptation is sure to come. And crucifixion is painful, but we must crucify our flesh. And then we must acknowledge that we've been getting high on relationships. 
it's been altering our mind and our mood. It's been changing how we feel about ourselves, how we see ourselves, just like drugs, just like alcohol, giving us a false sense of security. Um, so, so what we want to do is we want to get out of this cycle of misery and disarm the power of the past. Recognize what it is that propelled you into choosing to be in these relationships, seeing what you needed and not seeing what was really there, causing the dehydration and the mirages and the hallucinations. What For me, it was the pains of the past. Thank you so much. I, I know that, that there are many women who even hearing this, just the taste of, of, of what, what we've been talking about and, uh, and, and what you've written about um, that would probably like more. How can, they, how can they get in contact with you? And, and what are some of the things that you're doing now uh, that can help, help women along the way or, or anyone in that particular situation? Well, um, I, I would like to give out a number. Um, they can contact me um, at 313-610-4626 um, directly. Or they can go to my Facebook page, Pamela Morgan. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing every Monday, Straight Up No Chaser, is the name of a segment that I do on Facebook where we bring the word of God in, in, in a, such a way to bring forth deliverance and healing from the past so that we can move forward in a healthy manner with hope, with hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for, for God's will to be done so that we can have hope that our end is much better, that we look much better in the future than we look right now, that we can embrace the hope that we can see that God is on the throne of our lives and that there is hope. He knows the end before the beginning. He knows the end before the beginning. When God formed us in our mother's womb, he already had a plan. And just knowing that when he began to sit me down and talk to me uh -huh. and help me to understand I had purpose, it gave me hope. So I can be reached again on Facebook. Uh, we do a Facebook Live every Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. And um, straight up, no chaser. We don't hold back. We have a, it, It's a conversation. They can actually join on Facebook or they can get the link and come on Zoom with us and interact mm -hmm. in that conversation so that they're not just being lectured to, but they have opportunity mm -hmm. to interact. Um, in conjunction with that, um, we have a class called Raw that we do one Saturday a month. Uh, ready, able, and willing is what Raw stands for. Being made ready, able, and willing to carry the weight of the anointing needed in this hour for the kingdom of God to manifest in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, when the Lord began to show me who I was in him, and his purpose for my life, there was no stopping me. I, and, and Mothers in Crisis played a huge role because I had no idea. I had no idea of God's desire to use me 
to that degree in the lives of other women. But when when God brought us together, and I just got to say this, when God brought us together, I was clueless. But God gave you the ability to see something in my life that propelled, pushed me into doing so much of what I'm doing today. I just want to say that I am so very proud of you, Pam. I am so proud of you and and how you have allowed God to really, really propel you, to use you, to, uh, you've gone through so much. And, and when I have you back, we're going to talk about your, your, your journey uh, and your experiences with cancer. I mean, such powerful, powerful testimony that you have. And, and you've continually, over the years, been helping people and helping women, and now you're embracing your apostleship. And I just want to just surprise you to let you know something. And I ran it by my uh, Mothers in Crisis, Christ Vision Tribe, and everybody was in agreement. So I can go ahead and just let you know, and you'll be the first one to know for 2022. In April, during the National Month of Hope, we give out Hopi Awards, and we've given them out to, I can just start naming some of the ones, uh, Michelle Obama, she was uh, the first in 2019, she was one of the first recipients, uh, we've given one to Oprah Winfrey last year, we we, uh, we, we also, I mean, every year we've, we've given them since 2019, and in 2022, you will receive a Hopi Award, Helping Others Practice Enduring Empowerment, and you deserve it. Because when I look back and I think back, and I'm, like I said, I look at this article all the way from 1996, and whenever we would have those empowerment conferences for women, 200 plus women would come out, and, and you've just been running hard for decades, so just to let you know, and and you know you'll be receiving a Hopi Award, and also uh, wanting you to get on board of this Hope Train, uh, and I'll have more information on this particular podcast of how you and and others can join our whole Hope campaign for Mothers in Crisis. Go to MakeAHopeConnection.com. We have uh, we have a ten thousand. Uh, balls for hope essay contest going on right now the winners will be uh, giving out cash prizes in april national month of hope 2022 as well as we'll have all of the hopey awardees and and just doing great things and we want you pam to be a part of it all oh my lord i'm glad we're not on camera <laughs> Well, I thank God for you. I thank God for what he's doing in you and through you. I thank God for what I believe you're going to be able to continue to support what we're doing in Mothers in Crisis with this hope campaign. Because what you're doing is bringing hope. You're bringing hope to to those who need hope. And it's not just a certain group of people. Like I said before, everyone needs hope. And you're doing it in the way that God has given you to do it. And it's making a difference in the lives of people. 
and it's also advancing the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what this whole hope campaign is all about. I tell you, I've enjoyed chatting with you, having a great hope chat. And uh, as I said before, I'm definitely going to have you to come back on and we'll continue to talk about it and talk about your wonderful testimonies and, and uh, more of the things that you're doing for people that want to get in contact with you. If you would just give them that information one more time. Okay. So the number is 313-610-4626. And the Facebook page is Pamela Morgan. Or there, there are two Facebook pages, Pamela Morgan. And the other one is Kingdom Keys Apostolic Hub. And you can contact me through either of those Facebook pages. So thank you once again. God bless you. Um, I really enjoyed this interview. And until we meet again, may God continue to use you mightily. Yes, God bless you. I appreciate you so much. For the remainder of this Think Hope podcast, I'll share an excerpt from my book, As Long As There's Breath in Your Body, There's Still Hope about the importance and what it means to become a citizen of hope. Citizens of Hope An integral and significant part of the whole hope campaign is the Citizens of Hope, COH, initiative. Citizens of Hope are individuals and organizations that support the whole hope campaign financially on a monthly basis. COH are united in the belief that hope is a powerful force that helps people navigate challenging times. We believe we can have hope and spread hope to others, period. We have no other agenda or motives. As we unite in hope, that hope shines light and reveals solutions. We are learning how to translate the abstract concept of hope into concrete actions through Thinking Hope, Celebrating Hope Universe Day, and the National Month of Hope having hope chats, and taking hope breaks. As we come together with the perspective of hope, we focus on expectations of good outcomes instead of focusing on things that are divisive and destructive. Emphasizing our differences instead of our similarities zaps the power of hope. Hope's unifying force goes far beyond race, gender, political affiliation, religion, or social status. Despair may come naturally in times of personal and public crises, but for COH, hope keeps us moving forward as we adopt a hopeful attitude. We currently have several citizens of hope, and the number is increasing daily. Araneta Fison, what it means to be a citizen of hope. A citizen is someone registered to dwell in a certain location and a legally recognized resident of that locale. I am a citizen of hope, registered through PayPal to dwell there and legally recognized as a result of my close affiliation with Dr. Rosalind Y. Tompkins. I became attached to Dr. Tompkins when my mother, the Reverend Dr. Bernice Clausell, announced at a black history program that Dr. Tompkins was her role model. I was going through some issues in life at the time and hope dwelled in me. But after going through life coaching, mentorship, and seminary school with Dr. Tompkins, I now dwell in hope. I live there. Hope is my home. Being a citizen has its privileges. As a citizen of hope, 
I can browse the Hope Universe website at any time to keep abreast of events, resources, great hope thoughts, interviews, poetry, mission trips, and projects, among other things. Being a COH gives me access to Dr. Rosalind Tompkins for life coaching, counseling, hope chats, and prayer. As a citizen of hope, I'm also kept up to date on Dr. Tompkins' speaking engagements, radio and TV interviews, podcasts, and broadcasts. Being a COH enables me to be empowered to help myself and others by spreading the message of hope one person at a time. To learn more about the whole hope campaign and how to become a citizen of hope, please visit makeahopeconnection.com. Remember, as long as there's breath in your body, there is hope. Thank you.